chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Well, thanks, Philip. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Lovely to be with you this morning, and it's great to start uh, this section of uh, John's Gospel, often known as the uh, Farewell uh, discourse, which uh, for various reasons you'll see why uh, as we come to it over the next few weeks. Well, when it comes to religion, there's a common belief uh, that while each religion may contain some truth, uh, none has all of it, right? Uh, no one religion has a monopoly on who God is. And actually, at their heart, all religions are kind of the same, right? They're all just different attempts to reach the same truth. In other words, all roads lead to Rome or to the top of the mountain. Different paths but to the same transcendent reality, the same transcendent God. And there's a common illustration used to explain this idea. You may have heard of it. A king orders a group of blindfolded men uh, to describe an elephant based on what they can feel. They can't see anything, they've got to describe the elephant based on what they can feel. Someone out the front grabs a tusk and goes, 
I know what it is, it's a spear. Another grabs a tail and says, I know what it is, it's a rope. Another one grabs a leg and says, oh, this is a tree, and so it goes on. You see, the thing is they all hold on to part of the animal, uh, a part of the truth, but because they can't see the whole, they can't really understand what it is. And the point of the illustration is, well, that's what religion is like. All roads lead to Rome. Whatever name you give Jesus, whether it's God or Allah or Krishna or Buddha or Zeus, whatever it is, we're all trying to connect with the same reality, the same truth. But no one has it nailed. No one has worked it out fully. Well, you can see why such a view is popular, right? Uh, it's, uh, especially in a place like Melbourne, very multi-ethnic, very multi-faith. It's appropriately respectful and inclusive and tolerant and humble. By the way, it seems respectful and humble, but I don't think it is really, because it fails to take each religion on its own terms. It says, I know you think you disagree with each other, but you don't really. You're actually saying the same thing, despite what you think. It's a view that says, I know your religion better than you do, which is not very respectful or humble, is it? Well, in our passage today, and you might want to open it up there, we, it's in the middle of the news sheet and there's an outline that you can follow as well. As Jesus here seeks to comfort his disciples, among other things, Jesus will speak to this common belief. He says, no, there are not many ways to God. There is only one way to God, and it's through me. And we're going to focus on the first 11 verses, and there are, you might have some questions about the other couple, but uh, if you do, come up and see me afterwards. So as I said, over the next uh, six weeks, we're focusing on John uh, chapters 14 to 17. Uh, it's the night before Jesus is crucified. Uh, uh, Jesus has gathered his disciples to eat the Passover meal, and he's in the upper room. Jesus has just washed their feet. That's happened in chapter 13. And Judas has left to betray Jesus. And now Jesus is eating with the remaining 11 disciples and he's about to prepare them for what's to come. And then he drops this absolute bombshell. Guys, I'm leaving. 13 verse 33. My children, I will uh, be with you only a little longer. You will look for me and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Or at least, not yet. And the disciples, right, they're freaking out. They're afraid. They're really, really afraid. Uh, Jesus knows it. He knows they're afraid and so he speaks to them tenderly and gently. He's speaking to their fears. 14 verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled, he says. Or verse 18 in chapter 14, I'm going, uh, but I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you, which he will by the Holy Spirit. And verse 27 in chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He's comforting his disciples. Uh, at a certain age, kids usually start asking questions about death and dying. And as they do that, they start realising that their parents may not be with them forever. What will happen to me if mum and dad aren't here? 
It's scary, right? Maybe you can relate to that experience or you've had those discussions with your children. But I reckon all of us in one way or another can relate to that experience of feeling abandoned or alone. It's, it's awful. And Jesus here is speaking to that fear. Remember what these guys, remember what's happened. They've left everything to follow Jesus. Homes, families, businesses, wealth. They've placed their whole lives in his hands and now he says he's leaving. No wonder they're scared. And so out of that fear, the disciples ask three questions. And to those anxious questions, Jesus responds with three words, three beautiful words of comfort. The first is in chapter 13, verse 36. First question, Peter asks, Lord, where are you going? Jesus responds in verse 2, chapter 14, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Verse 5, Thomas asks, Lord, how can we know the way? Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Verse 8, Philip asks, Lord, show us the Father. What's not such... A question, it's a request. And Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Three questions, three words of comfort. First one from chapter 13, verse 36. Lord, where are you going? Peter's anxious. Jesus is the good shepherd who's promised to protect his sheep. And now he's going. Now we know that Jesus is going to the cross into the horror of bearing the sins of the world. And so Jesus, he's pretty anxious too, right? But here he's focusing on them. He's comforting them. He's so loving. He's so selfless for him to do that. Verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. They believe God, now they've got to trust Jesus. Believing in God means you need to trust Jesus. And here that means they need to trust that he's going for their sake. That he's going, verse 2, to prepare a place in heaven for them. Uh, Jesus makes uh, uh, three promises in verses 2 and 3. Promise 1, he says, I've got a home for you. Verse 2, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? You see, Jesus leaving is not about abandoning them. It's about saving them. The way he prepares a room for them is by his going. And it's not just to kind of change the sheets, do a bit of vacuuming, change the bins. It's by dying on the cross. Taking upon himself the sins of the world rising to defeat death and give resurrection life to all who trust in him. That's how he prepares a place. That's the way heaven's door is being opened. No other way but through Jesus, his life, death and resurrection. That's how your room is being prepared. That's the first promise. I'm preparing a place for you. Second promise, in my father's house, there are many rooms. There are many rooms. Uh, In our house, all our girls have their own rooms. It's such 
a privilege, isn't it, for all your children to have their own room. Such a privilege. When we first moved in, our eldest daughter, Josie, uh, she drew up signs for our two youngest children uh, just to mark out their room and for them to know that their room was special. What a lovely thing to do. Well, in God's house, there's room for everyone and there's a room for everyone. For you. For me. Nobody will miss out. That's what Jesus is saying here. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. There's a room in my Father's house for you. We know God loved the world, but he didn't just love the world, he loves you and he has a room for you with your name on it, a place prepared, purchased by the blood of his son. That's promise too. There are many rooms in the Father's house. Promise three, I'll be back. Verse three, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will also come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. The, the ultimate reason that Jesus is going is so that we could be with him. Uh, later, uh, Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son will come and dwell to be with his people. But I don't think that's what he's talking about here. Here I think Jesus means when he comes back at the end of history to gather up all his people and bring them with him into the new creation, into the Father's house forever. Notice how personal that Jesus is being. Jesus says, I will come back and take you to be with me. He wants you. He wants you to be with him forever. It's so beautiful. Brothers and sisters, the thing is, uh, heaven isn't just a place. It's not first a place. It's a person and it's a relationship with Jesus, right? Uh, Here's a quote from John Piper. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you've ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed and all the natural beauties you ever saw and all the physical pleasures you have ever tasted and no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ were not there? Could you be satisfied? Could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ wasn't there? The answer has to be no, right? No. There is no heaven without Jesus. Christianity isn't about our kind of uh, humanistic or hedonistic ideal of paradise. Christianity centres on Christ. And eternal life starts now when we come to him and that relationship continues and is perfected in the new creation. God has moved heaven and earth 
Jesus came so we could be with him and share in their glory forever. Well, Thomas asked the next question, verse 5. Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now, it's a bit of an odd question. Jesus has just said, you know the way to where I'm going. But I'm glad Thomas asked the question because in verse 6 we get this incredible statement from Jesus about who he is. Jesus answers, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know the way, the truth, the life, Thomas. It's me. I'm the way to the Father. I love you. I'm committed to you and I'm preparing a place for you. Thomas, you know the way because you know me. How wonderful that is to know that the way to heaven is through their Lord. To know that the truth about God is right in front of them. To know that the key to eternal life is there. It's wonderful. But let's, just for a moment, just step back. Let's step back for a moment to hear Jesus' words again. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Did he really say that? Well, it's right there, isn't it? He did say that. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, it's easy for this statement just to kind of wash over you. But it's very clear, isn't it? Even stark, even divisive, maybe even a little bit offensive. It was offensive then, so offensive, that the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders killed him. And it's still divisive and offensive today. Because Jesus isn't saying, I am a way, one of many ways. He's not saying, I'm one item on the spiritual smorgasbord. Not a way, I am the way. And so we don't misunderstand. He kind of tightens the case. He stated it positively. He also then comes around and states it negatively. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not grey, it's black and white. Jesus closes all the doors except for one. A number of years ago, I was in uh, Parramatta in Sydney uh, on, on a mission. It's a very culturally diverse area and we were going around uh, knocking on doors trying to meet people who wanted to talk more about Jesus. Uh, I knocked on the door of a, a very lovely Hindu man. Uh, he invited me in uh, for a cup of tea and we had a great chat about Jesus and it, it kind of went on and, and it seemed to be going round in circles. I was very young and inexperienced. Uh, and he kept, he kept on saying he loved Jesus. He loved everything about Jesus. And then it uh, dawned on me, he was very happy to talk about Jesus, but also Jesus along with all the other gods and all the other prophets he loved as well. Krishna, Vishnu. And then he showed me all these statues and all these pictures. Very happy to love Jesus, worship Jesus. The sticking point for him wasn't that Jesus was a way to God, but that he was the 
only way to God. All all roads lead to heaven? Not true, Jesus says. I'm the only way to eternal life. I'm not a truth, I'm the truth. I'm the only one who makes the Father known. Have a look at John 1 verse 18. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and in closest relationship with the Father. He has made him known. If we want to know what God's like, we need to look at Jesus. Know him. He is the perfect ultimate revealer of the Father. He is the way, the truth and the life. It's a great word of comfort to Christians but can be offensive to others. I asked my 11-year-old daughter this week, showed her verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 6. I said, what do you think this means? And this is what she said, word for word. I think it means there's no way to get to heaven except through Jesus. She got it straight off the bat. That's not hard, is it? But we adults, we can find it hard to say, not hard to understand, because we know how people might hear it. Are you serious? Is everyone else wrong? Is it arrogant? Well, it's only arrogant if Jesus isn't the Son of God. Jesus is shutting the door on every other religion, every other form of spirituality. And he's also saying that if you don't believe this, that Jesus is the way to the Father, every other way that doesn't teach that, that doesn't teach that Jesus is the way to the Father, that's actually taking you away from God. Not closer to, but away. You must come through Jesus. And avoiding this conclusion really is just twisting his words. Jesus is blunt and he's being as clear as possible. But let me just say a few more things uh, before we move on about what Jesus isn't saying. He's not saying uh, other religions have no truth. They do. Uh, Some religions teach that there is one God. Some teach about judgment and the need to do good. Uh, In Acts chapter 17, Paul is preaching to the Athenians and uh, as he's preaching to them, he quotes uh, a prayer to Zeus from a Cretan philosopher. Uh, He says, in him we live and move and have our being. That's that's not a quote from the Bible that Paul is quoting. He's actually quoting a philosopher, Greek philosopher. And Paul says, he's right, but he's praying to and speaking about the wrong God. It's not Zeus. Some truth, yes, but only Jesus will lead you ultimately to God. Second, Jesus isn't saying that people of other religions or of no religion aren't kind or nice people. There are plenty of awesome, lovely people who aren't Christians and we know that. Third, uh, what about those who have never heard about Jesus? Jesus isn't saying that God will judge these people based on what they don't know. No, he will judge them based on what they do know and how they've responded to that. If you want to kind of chase this issue up a bit more, you can read Romans chapter 1 to 3 where uh, Paul talks about what people can know about God uh, through creation and what they need to do with that. But whatever we want to say about what happens to people who haven't heard, this is the truth. We're not one of them. 
We're not one of them. We can't plead ignorance. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And because he is, what do you think were the last words that he said? Go make disciples. Go make disciples. You go tell the world that the only way to the Father is through me. Preach that to the nations. A maths lecturer in the UK just finished a five-year study on church growth in the UK. It was published in the Times, so it was actually taken up uh, outside the church. Uh, As you can see, uh, kind of the the blue columns, they're churches that have declined in the last five years and the ones in, in red are the ones that have grown. And the consistent factor amongst those churches that were growing is enthusiasm for evangelism. A consistent factor among those that are growing is enthusiasm for evangelism, that passionately held and lived out belief that Jesus is the only way to God. Now in one sense that makes sense, right? It's not rocket science. But we need to hear it, don't we? Because sharing the good news isn't always easy for some of the reasons we've just been talking about. But we can't let fear overwhelm us. We can't love Jesus or the people around us and keep this knowledge to ourselves. It's like having the cure for cancer and just not telling anyone. Imagine that. We don't need to be pushy about it. We don't need to be a jerk. We don't need to do a complete gospel download every time we meet someone who's not a Christian. But we can talk normally about our faith the way we would talk normally about the other things that are important to us in our lives. We can represent Christ in the way we live. We can invite someone to church. We can invite someone to a Christianity Explored course. We have one going on at the moment and we'll start up another one when that one finishes. We can give to the work of CMS whose mission is to share the gospel around the world. And when we do witness to Christ, some people will find Jesus' claims hard to hear and they won't want a bar of it. And that's okay. We need to respect that it's God's work. Uh, it's God's work that converts people, not, not ours. But for others we meet, they'll see Jesus' words as they really are, full of comfort, assurance and hope. There is a way, a truth and a life and it's Jesus. Just think what he could have said. He could have said, I am the way, the truth and the life, but you're all sinners so no one's coming to the Father. Heaven's doors are closed. He could have said that. Ponder that for a moment. That's an option, isn't it? And it would have been completely fair. But he's full of love and grace. And so he says, you can come through me. Final question or request. 
Verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. That's all, Jesus. If you won't say where you're going or how to get there, at least show us the Father. That'll do. That'll be enough. It's like Philip hasn't been listening. So when Jesus answers, I think he might be a little testy. Maybe listen to his tone, verse 9. Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you among you such a long time? Philip, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Philip, where have you been the last three years? Who do you think you've been with? Can't you see? I'm God in the flesh. Jesus is a bit testy, I reckon. I reckon he's also a bit sad. You've been with me three years and you still don't know who I am? It's like when uh, somebody close to you says something about you that makes you think, gee, I, I really thought you knew me better than that. It's a deflating feeling, isn't it? Philip, Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I only say what the Father tells me to say. I only do what he tells me to do. And you've heard me speak and teach. You've seen my miracles. You were at the wedding. You saw the healings. You saw 5,000 people fed. You saw Lazarus raised. Verse 11. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. What you've seen. Show me the Father, Philip. I am God in the flesh here for you. Friends, when we've truly met Jesus, we've truly met God. Not just someone good and holy, not a special man of God, but God himself in the flesh. And from now on, to know God, you must know Jesus. And if you know him, then you know God. He's the only way to the Father. Let's go back to that first picture. Back to the elephant in the room and these blindfolded men. I reckon it's a bit of a dodgy illustration, right? Because they're not partly right, are they? They're all completely wrong. No spear, no rope, no tree, it's an elephant, just one elephant. But there is one person who's right and that's the king who invited them, the one without the blindfold. And that person is Jesus. He shows us what God is like. He was with the Father. He's God himself. He's made God known. So if you've come here this morning looking for God, come to Jesus. He's the only way to the Father. If you already know that, take comfort because Jesus has prepared a place for you. There are many rooms in his house and there's a room and room for you.
And if that's you, don't keep that news to yourself. Share that wonderful news that there is a way to God in Jesus, that there is room in God's house, that there's room for everyone. Shall we pray? Loving Father God, we thank you that you moved heaven and earth so that we could be with you. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you so much that you have prepared a place for us in the Father's house through your blood, through your resurrection. Father, by your spirit, comfort us with this truth and help us share that truth, this wonderful life-giving truth with those around us. Amen.